You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word. 25% off now. All right, guys, we're going to be talking about former Kansas City Chiefs assistant coach Brett Reed here in this video. He is the son of Andy Reed, the head coach of uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. If you guys remember a couple of years ago, right before the Super Bowl, where the uh, Chiefs actually lost to uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Brett Reed was actually involved in a car crash that really, really did injure a five-year-old girl. Now, flash forward to today, he has now entered a guilty plea. However, this man actually made a plea deal, and the little girl's family is not happy with this whatsoever. Check this out, guys. Brett Reed enters guilty plea in car crash case. Victims slam prosecutors over deal. Now, if he uh, did not actually make a plea deal, he will he would have actually been facing seven years in jail in prison. Now that he made this deal, folks, this dude probably will get like three years tops, maybe four. And they're not happy about this. And honestly, I do not blame them. This man was extremely drunk. I believe he had a point one one three blood alcohol level. This is insane. But let's read this, guys. Brett Reed just formally entered a guilty plea to felony DWI in his car crash case after cutting a deal with prosecutors and the attorney for the victims tells TMZ Sports they are not happy with the situation. The former Kansas City Chiefs assistant coach, wearing a suit with a yellow tie, made the plea during a hearing in a Missouri courtroom on Monday morning, nearly two years after he was accused of getting drunk and then causing a car crash that severely injured a five-year-old girl. Reed, according to KCTV5's Angie Ricano, told the courtroom while making a plea, quote, I, re- I regret what I did. I made a huge mistake. I apologize to the family. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. Prosecutors agreed not to seek a sentence longer than four years behind bars for Reed. Unbelievable. The son of Andy Reed, in exchange for a guilty plea, something that attorney Tom Porto says he and his clients are absolutely appalled by. This man was clearly guilty, clearly guilty. How in, how in the world he's actually going to say that he wasn't guilty? We're going to get to um, his blood alcohol level here, too, in a second. Uh, quote, the five victims of the crime are outraged. The prosecuting attorney is not seeking the maximum sentence allowable by law. Porto said in a statement, the defendant is a prior offender. Yes, a prior offender here whose actions caused a five-year-old girl to be in a coma and seriously injured three others. This man has done something similar before, and he's basically getting a very, very light sentence. Reed was facing a maximum of seven years in prison. Reed allegedly, not allegedly, Reed caused a car crash back on February 4th, 2021, after authorities say he slammed his pickup truck into the back of a car. Officials say he was going 84 miles per hour in a 65 mile per hour zone just seconds before the collision and had a 0.113 blood alcohol content two hours 
following the wreck. Okay. So two hours later, after the wreck, he actually had still had this extremely high blood alcohol level. I'm wondering what his blood alcohol level was when he actually hit the car. This is just unbelievable, guys. The 37-year-old who formerly uh, departed from the Kansas City uh, Chiefs days after the incident has not coached in the NFL and is due back in court for sentencing on October 28th. Guys, this is insane right here. How could they actually plea with a guy like this? That blood alcohol level is just shocking right there. Shocking. And this was two hours after the accident. Two hours after. And this man has a prior and they still pleaded with this guy. Well, how many years is he going to get? Two years? He should be in there for the full seven. Because this man has a prior. Unbelievable. But. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports 2 fans. Unreal, guys. Anyway, guys, let us know what about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. Tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no holds barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word. 25% off now. I'm back. Rodrance for our black and white sports, too. Well, you knew we had to talk about it. We had to talk about the loss to the Chicago Bears yesterday. As we know, the 49ers have chosen to move on to Trey Lance. Sort of. After the, even though they re-signed Jimmy Garoppolo. They're claiming it is for backup purposes only. Yeah, backup if he gets hurt and or he just sucks. And it's pretty interesting because evidently the Chicago Bears, the secondary, knew Trey Lance wasn't going to play very good quarterback yesterday, and they knew it coming into the game, and they knew it when they were game-planning the game because when you say we're going to make a guy have to play quarterback – That's pretty much saying we don't think he can play quarterback when that is part of your defensive plan. And we got a Bears defensive back that's come out and saying Trey Lance didn't do shit as a quarterback yesterday. Um, Boy, this was tough to swallow, tough to accept, because the 49ers should have rolled this team. Uh, The 49ers should have beaten this team. And what's even tougher is the fact that you know, as a Niners fan, or at least I do, that if Jimmy Garoppolo starts this game, we're 1-0 and and not 0-1. No, I'm not happy about this. Okay, I'm not. Oh, well, we got to take some lumps to let Trey Lance grow. So you're going to waste a Super Bowl roster to let a guy grow that you don't know is ever going to be the franchise dude. Okay, and that has, has... Put enough doubt out there that the Niners don't let their quarterback go. And that two teams, two rival teams, know is good enough that if he gets released, they're signing him. 
there's going to be an actual bidding war between two of your rivals to get the quarterback you don't want to play right now. Seahawks, Rams. And yeah, he would have been a backup to Stafford in, in L.A. Some guy said yesterday, I made that video, Matthew Stafford's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Nobody said he wasn't. But the Rams wanted him. Why? Because Stafford's got a bum elbow right now. Okay, and yeah, Garoppolo's better than Geno Smith and the other guy, the lock guy. That's not a lock to say in this league, by the way. Uh, Drew, yeah. So, let's get to this. Oh, man. Uh, by the way, Cowboys Twitter's going nuts over Jimmy Garoppolo right now. And John Lynch, you better just not answer the phone. We're going to need this quarterback. Trey Lance ain't do shit. As a 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo problem looms. Yeah, we're not going to give this Bears cornerback, Jalen Johnson, any kind of grammar awards. But I think we get the point. The shadow of Jimmy Garoppolo grew larger in week one. Trey Lance and the 49ers offense struggled for most of the day in brutal conditions in a 19-10 season opening loss to the Bears. Let's just clarify something. Okay, Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears also had to play in this these same brutal conditions. I mean, come on. They played in the same game. There's no excuses. You have to beat this Bears team. Lance showcased his significant arm talent and running ability at times, but far too often was inaccurate in the upset defeat. Quote, what do you think he did? Let me just straighten this up a little bit for him. What do you think he did? He ain't done shit. He didn't do shit. Is basically what Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson said after the game. We made him play quarterback. They knew coming into the game, if we make him play quarterback, he's screwed. We know he hurt us in the run game with his feet. And everybody knows at some point he's going to run and make a play. Quote, but I feel like we really had to make him play quarterback. Like I said, he's still a young guy. I think he'll end up being a good player for them. He's trying to cover for him now after he's destroyed him. But it's early. He has to go through it. I feel like we did exactly what I said we would. Make him prove himself as a quarterback. 49ers announced early in the offseason that Lance, entering his second season, would be starting quarterback and tried in vain to trade Garoppolo, who led the team to the NFC Championship game last year. Instead, they kept Garoppolo on a reworked contract and have him locked in as Lance's backup. The concern with the decision was that keeping Garoppolo in San Francisco would put pressure on Lance and increase calls to turn back to the veteran if he faltered. Quote, Made too many mistakes, said Lance, who finished the game completing, and this is my number one issue with him, 13 of 28 passes for 164 yards and an interception. The defense kept us in the game. He had a big miss to Tyler Croft in the end zone, tried to throw a perfect ball, should have put it right on him. He was wide open. Quote, turned over the ball, took a sack that knocked us out of field goal range, Missed Debo on a third down. Missed another third down to Jawan Jennings. Just too many mistakes. A lot of stuff to clean up for sure. 
One game and a torrential downpour will not lead to a quarterback change in San Francisco. However, Kyle Shanahan's team entered the season with Super Bowl expectations and loaded with talent on both sides of the ball. And performances like Sunday will do nothing to slow down the questions around the quarterback situation. Shanahan was asked in KNBR's interview Friday if bringing Garoppolo showed a lack of faith in Lance. Guys, this is Trey's first year starting for us. We were letting go a $24 million starting quarterback to do that. We got him back for a backup price. I don't think this has to do with not having faith in your starter. That wouldn't have never happened if it just didn't come to fruition there. We were fortunate that it happened. So obviously we were willing to go in a different direction and we ended up having something fall into our lap. And the one thing I always want to try to clear up here or thing we should never forget is the fact that, honest to God, they had a couple of trades lined up for Garoppolo and then Jimmy all of a sudden got his shoulder operated on out of nowhere. I believe, and I'm keeping it real here, I believe Jimmy Garoppolo would have been the starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders or the Pittsburgh Steelers had he not gotten his shoulder operated on. Okay, I think that was the two places he would have gone. The third potential would have been the Indianapolis Colts. But again, out of nowhere, before the trade got done, he got his his shoulder operated on. And there it was. Um, Man, my, my issue is here we had a game right out there on a platter, on a table for us to take. We have got to have these kind of games. Look, guys, I don't want a 9-8 season with a team that should go 12-5. and five. Do you? I, I mean, I'm just wondering. Um, wow, and I do have a fear that maybe, you know, the Cowboys offer a third all of a sudden with, a con- you know, with the condition that it could turn into a second if Garoppolo goes to the Cowboys and starts 8-10 to 10 games. Oh, he started 8-10 to 10 games. It turns into a second. I understand. That's true draft value. Okay, and generally, I would say under the circumstances, flip Jimmy. But that's if our quarterback situation is better than this. And my biggest issue with all of this is Kyle Shanahan's got a very quarterback-friendly offense here. Okay, I mean, I've got it pulled up. I can just tell you, Nick Mullins had a 64.6 completion percentage. Nearly 4,900 yards and 26 touchdowns in Kyle's offense. Okay, I, I you know, I, I got to be real with you. And that is since 17 games started. Okay, now he threw too many interceptions. But yeah, his completion percentage was pro quarterback-like. And this is a guy now that he's gone to other teams, can't even hardly stay on a team. He's now the backup for the uh, Minnesota Vikings. But you get the point that I'm trying to make here. Okay, C.J. Beathard, 58% completion, five more TDs than interceptions, 3,500 yards. Um, it's a quarterback-friendly offense that should, should have a quarterback in that 63 to 72% completion percentage range. And all I can think of is throughout the history of time with quarterbacks, I can only think of one that greatly changed the narrative on his accuracy. 
And in my opinion, he is an outlier. A complete outlier because now the kid is a superstar. And that's Josh Allen. Okay, he had that terrible completion percentage, and now it's really damn good. I think Brian Dayball had a lot to do with that. All right? But historically, throughout time, if you go back and look at starting quarterbacks as rookies, second year, third year, when their completion percentage ain't great, historically, it doesn't get very much better. All right? You know who Trey Lance reminds me of? A more athletic faster Jordan Love. I don't think Jordan Love's ever going to be anything other than a backup quarterback in the NFL. There you go. It is what it is. Tell me what you think. Black and white sports. Two fans. The Niners let one get away. The Bears make Trey Lance play quarterback because we don't think he can. I hope they're wrong. But yikes. That's not what you want to hear. (laughs) I mean, good Lord. Do you think any team, when Patrick Mahomes sauntered out there in his second year, said, we hope to make Patrick Mahomes play quarterback? Because when we... No, they ain't going to say that. Because if we did, he'd put four touchdowns on our ass. Through the air, throwing the ball. Yikes. Peace. I'm out. Till next. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word. 25% off now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Network. Well, we know the MO of radical leftist socialist mayor Lori Lightfoot is to blame everybody else for everything, right? Currently, she's trying to blame the Bears because they're wanting out of the hellhole. Known as Chicago, as crime continues to up and up and up. And of course, this is this week's episode of how many people got shot and killed in Chicago over the weekend. We do this every week. Unfortunately, we have to do this every week. Mario Bowser, don't worry. You're going to get your turn this week as we're adding you to the fray. We're going to call these people out. Of course, um, Lori Lightfoot continues to bob and weave. She's angry with Greg Abbott because he's giving her a little of what we're having to deal with here in Texas. Good. Good. Both of them. Lightfoot. Bowser. I hope he figures out some more Democratic destinations to ship these sons of bitches to when they saunter into the country because Lori Lightfoot, you're the one that aligns with Joseph Biden's politics When it comes to the border, you called yourself a sanctuary city? We're calling your bluff, plain and simple, right? Let's get to this because it seems um, Abbott's migrant busing is a manufactured crisis. Okay, well, you're you're busing migrants, by the way, Lori Lightfoot, out of Chicago to Republican counties in Illinois. Now, in case you're from a different place or you don't know anybody in Illinois um, or you just don't pay attention to the politics that close up there, 
Actually, if you get outside of Chicago, outside of the war zone of Chicago, it is largely a pro-Trump state. Hell, a lot of these states are, actually. Even these Democratic radical states, you get outside of the urban areas where they want everything for free and they want that Marxist ideology of tribal sharing values. Oh, what you got is mine and what, what I got is yours. No, stay the hell away from my shit, okay? Uh, once you get out of there, ta-da, right? Um, it's pro-Trump. It's very red, generally speaking, when you get out of those areas into the rural areas. Uh, so, basically, whatever happens in Chicago's uh, Chicago's area, politi- political-wise, as far as governing and all that kind of thing, is destroying the rest of the state that doesn't align with the politics of that city. Plain and simple. I mean, I'm just keeping it real. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot decreed on Saturday Texas Governor Greg Abbott busing migrants to Chicago as, quote, un-American, according to The Hill. Speaking on CNN, Lightfoot told host Pamela Brown that migrants are being placed on buses with, quote, lack of dignity to an unknown destination with very little food and water. That's as far as I'm going with that because that's total crap. These people know exactly where they're going, okay? They know where they're going. And in some pay, uh, my understanding is they're actually being asked, hey, do you want to go to New York? Do you want to go to Washington? Do you want to go to Chicago? And they choose wherever they want to go. And in some cases, they don't even make it there, okay? They decide they want to be left off. I mean, one bus, literally, somebody called a sheriff and the bus had to pull over. I mean, it just turned into a, 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 a sort of a mess involving one of those bus trips. But they knew exactly where they were going. They agreed to it, okay? Don't let them blow smoke up your ass that they didn't agree to get on these buses and go somewhere and that they didn't know where they were going. That's bull. That's Democratic media bullshit. Six dead. At least 29 wounded, including teens in Chicago, over the weekend. You got it. Several teams are recovering after being shot in Chicago Sunday, with the youngest injured being 13-year-old male, 14-year-old female, 14-year-old male, and 15-year-old male. Yeah, the shootings come as the city saw another violent weekend with at least six dead and more than 29 wounded. Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown is expected to provide an update on the city's recent public safety efforts at 11 a.m. Monday. Okay, well, there you go. The first fatal shooting of the weekend was reported at uh, 6.16 p.m. on Friday. Here we go to Breitbart. Breitbart noted 11 people were shot in the city Friday into Saturday night alone. And three of those victims succumbed to their wounds. Wounds On Monday morning, NBC5 reported a number of victims for the weekend reached 29 with two more shooting fatalities. And this is crazy right here. Roughly 12 hours later, just after 1 p.m., police found a 28-year-old with numerous gunshot wounds lying unresponsive in a backyard. He, too, was pronounced dead. ABC7 pointed out that A 14-year-old girl was in critical condition after being shot in the face Sunday afternoon in Chicago's Grisham neighborhood. 
The girl was indoors. A girl was indoors when gunfire erupted before 5 p.m. in the 1200 block of West 81st Street. She was shot in the face while inside the residence and rushed to the hospital. Of course, nobody is in custody. The Times notes 474 people were killed in Chicago January 1, 2022 through September 11, 2022. So that's where we are. That's where we are with the latest edition of Lori Lightfoot is an utter and complete democratic socialist radical failure. Every week we do this, sometimes multiple times a week, because now she's losing her mind over Greg Abbott, and look, we're going to call you out on that. So there you are. Uh, Plus, over on the Sports Channel, we're covering the utter and complete nightmare she's caused as now the Chicago Bears are getting the hell out of Chicago away from Soldier Field because of the crime down there around that area. And she actually believes another NFL team would consider coming into Chicago? Oh, man, she's she's mentally deranged. Peace. I'm out. Till next Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USAFIRST, all one word. USAFIRST, all one word. 25% off now. Yesterday, guys, was 9-11. It was the 21st anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, which was probably the worst day in American history. Over 3,000 Americans lost their lives. And folks, that one event really did unite this country. It did. No matter your political beliefs, everybody was united. Now, I was in the Navy at that time, and I can't remember a time when we were just so close together. Everybody loved America. Everybody. Everybody had a United States flag a bumper sticker on the back of their car. We're living in different times, folks, and um. It's pretty sad how far we've actually gotten from loving this country. The people on the left, man, they really do not like this country. They have been infiltrated by a bunch of uh, Marxists and socialists who hate the United States of America. And the social media companies, because there was no social media back in uh, 2001. They actually are, are really doing a lot of damage, I believe. And for some reason, guys, I don't know who actually put this into play, but these quote unquote fat checkers is nothing more than a left wingers out, out there trying to discredit people on the right. Nothing more than that. However, guys, the fat checkers try to actually fat check a photo of uh, Donald Trump, you know, public enemy number one. And this just shows you guys that um, the fat checkers, they're not actually looking for fats. They're just trying to discredit people on the right. Check this out, guys. Over here on the Post Millennial, Instagram fat chats Trump World Trade Center photo as missing contacts. Now, this is pretty ridiculous here, folks, but um, you can see where um, Jack Posobiec put up a, um, a photo here of uh, Trump near the ruins of uh, the World Trade Center here. 
and it got fat checked by uh, Instagram, I believe. And as you can see here, there's actually multiple fat checks here. One is actually from um, Snopes and um, it says partially false. I mean, what was Jack Posobiec actually um, saying about this? He wasn't saying anything. So there was nothing to actually fact check. But these left wing social media companies, they have to just go out there and they see the orange man and then they just go berserk. Look at this. It says missing contents. The same information was reviewed in another post by fact checkers. There may be small differences. Independent fact checkers say information in this post is missing contents and could mislead people. How? Donald Trump was at the World Trade Center ruins. He was. That was 21 years ago. Why is this being fact checked? This is insane. But anyway, it says in honor of the 21st anniversary of the attacks on the World Trade Center, Human Events Daily's Jack Posobiec posted a photo of Donald Trump visiting Ground Zero in 2001. In response to the Instagram post showing Trump at that horrific scene so many years ago, Instagram posted a fact check reading missing contents. The same information was reviewed by independent fact checkers in another post. Posobiec's comment was, quote, no one told him to go to go. He went anyway. The photo is credited to uh, Getty Images. The fact check was posted on the photo despite no claims being made other than that Trump was there. Instagram's parent Meta, which is Facebook's algorithms, appear to be looking to discredit Trump even when there's nothing to discredit. Yeah, there's nothing to discredit. This is the post right here. Nothing more. And this is insane that they would actually fact check this. So Trump was at ground zero. Okay. Why are you trying to discredit this? Why are you saying this is missing context? It's a photo. It's a real photo because he was there. Open up the message brings readers to a fact check showing two fact checks. Lead story says that the conclusion of their fact check is that the post has, quote, missing contents by which they explain that there is, quote, no evidence that Donald Trump paid hundreds of workers to help with search and rescue after 9-11. This is a fact check on the photo showing Trump at the site of the terrorist attack in 2001. It made no claims other than that he was there, which he was. So why in the world are they actually saying there's no evidence that Trump paid workers to actually go there and help, help with uh, search and rescue. This, this is crazy. A fact check from uh, Snopes states that their conclusion is that the post is partly false. Giving as quote, more information, the question, quote, was Donald Trump at ground zero searching for survivors two days at 9-11 uh, with workers he paid for? This is on a fact check of a photo which made no additional claims. Snopes rating as to whether or not Trump brought employees down to ground zero is recorded as, quote, unproven. What? It was years later that a meme using the same Getty photo began circulating that was captioned, quote, two days after the September 11 attacks, Donald Trump was at ground zero with hundreds of workers that he paid for 
to help find and identify victims. Uh, Trump visited Ground Zero on September 13, 2001, two days after the attacks. According to the New York Times, Trump had said, quote, many of those affected were firefighters, police officers and other first responders. And I was down there also, but I'm not considering myself a first responder. But I was down there. I spent a lot of time down there with you. And at a speaking event years later, others said he wasn't there for extended periods of time. Trump said that in 2001, quote, I have a lot of men down there right now. We have over 100 and we have 125 coming. So we'll have a couple of hundred um, people down there. He added, quote, we will be involved in some form helping to reconstruct. The reconstruction efforts were led by the city of New York and Larry uh, Silverstein, who was the existing developer of the property. At a 2016 speaking event in Buffalo, New York, uh, Trump said, quote, every everyone who helped clear the rubble. And I was there and I watched and I helped a little bit. But I want to tell you, those people were amazing. Clearing the rubble, trying to find additional lives. You didn't know what was coming, what was going to uh, come down on all of us. And they handled it. And of course, you know, Trump was a private citizen in 2001. In New York, a businessman and your dishonest social media companies run by the left, try to smear him with this. The man was there. Nothing more. But of course, you know, they're going to try to fact check this. And it just blows up in their face. No claims were made whatsoever about Trump in that photo. It's just a photo of him at ground zero. Nothing more. But you know what? We're living in crazy times, folks. We're supposed to be united when it comes to 9-11. But your dishonest media, you know, they're just going to continue to push us further and further apart. Trump is a businessman. He's a New Yorker. And especially back then, he was living in in New York. But now um, he lives in Florida. And boy, when he ran for um, office in 2016 and became the president, man, he really did expose how dishonest the media is. These social media companies are really just more socialism media. And we actually have those shirts, if I'm not mistaken, still 25 percent off using discount code USA first. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white network fans, let us know stick about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and we'll catch you next time. Tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no holds barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word. 25% off now. Guys, it is very, very rare that you would actually see a world-class athlete give up their career to pursue something to actually better the country or help their community. Now, in uh, 2000 or 2001, we saw uh, Pat Tillman actually leave the NFL. I believe he had actually turned on a contract because he wanted to serve his country. And so he left the Arizona Cardinals, went to the Army, became a Ranger. 
and he actually gave up his life for his country. Now, you don't see many people like that. Now, we have a very, very similar story. It's not necessarily the military here, but um, a former Major League Baseball player retired after six seasons because he wanted to become a police officer. And yesterday, folks, um, he actually worked at the uh, 9-11 Memorial. And yesterday he lost his life. Check this out. Former MLB pitcher Anthony Vavaro dies in car crash on way to 9-11 Memorial. This is sad, folks. Anthony Vavaro, a former Major League Baseball pitcher who retired in 2016 to become a police officer in the New York City area, was uh, killed in a car crash Sunday morning on his way to work at the September 11th Memorial Ceremony in Manhattan. So he was going there to work on the 21st anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Bavaro, 37, was an officer for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. He played baseball at St. John's before a six-year career in the majors as a relief pitcher for the Seattle Mariners, Atlanta Braves, and Boston Red Sox. And the Braves actually uh, put out a statement here, and they say, uh, We are deeply saddened by the passing of former Braves pitcher Anthony Vavaro. Anthony, 37, played parts of six seasons in the majors, including four with Atlanta. He voluntarily retired from MLB in 2016 to become a Port Authority police officer. Um, it says here he was en route to serve at the World Trade Center Command in commemoration of September 11, 2001 activities when he was involved in a motor vehicle accident. Uh, thoughts and prayers are with his family and colleagues. So you can see here they actually posted some photos of him in the uh, Braves uniform right there. Man, it says uh, the crash happened Sunday morning in New- Sunday morning in New Jersey. Messages seeking details about the crash were left with uh, New Jersey State Police. Uh, St. John's baseball coach Mike Hampton said he was, quote, at a loss for words over Vavaro's death. Um, I do believe this is the same Mike Hampton that um, pitched for the Houston Astros, by the way. Uh, quote, not only was he everything you could want out of a ball player, he was everything you could want in a person, said Hampton, who was an assistant coach at St. John's uh, doing three of um, Vavaro's seasons there. My heart goes out to his family, friends, teammates, and fellow officers. Port Authority officials said in a statement that Vavaro represented the very best of this agency and will be remembered for his courage and commitment to service. Uh, quote, on this solemn occasion, as the Port Authority mourns the loss of 84 employees in the attacks on the World Trade Center, including 37 members of the Port Authority Police Department, our grief only deepens today with the passing of Officer Vavaro said the statement by Port Authority Chairman Kevin O'Toole and Executive Director Rick Cotton. So there you have it, guys. This is very, very sad news, man. Dying on 9-11, serving his community. Uh, Anthony Vavaro, 37 years old, very, very young. This is definitely a tragedy, folks. Definitely a tragedy. Very, very rare, like I said before, where somebody... A world-class athlete would actually give up their career when they can actually still play. This man retired voluntarily because 
he sought a higher calling. He wanted to serve um, his community. And of course, guys, you know, we're living in a time now where the police are being demonized by people on the left. They hate the police. This man left 2016, retired, became a uh, police officer in 2016. And um, this would would have been uh, eight years of him actually being a police officer. But uh, rest in peace, Anthony Vivaro. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Network. We're going to talk about sort of home defense and the fact that, look, the mainstream media is not going to cover stories like this uh, when they happen. It goes against the kind of narratives they want to have when it comes to firearms. But in other words, when somebody breaks into your home, this is exactly what your Second Amendment is supposed to look like. When the criminals come into the home, you've got the firearms to defend your home where is this you know it, it there's been a few of these kinds of things happen in the last six months or so but it gets no attention whatsoever so as you could expect that's where we come in and we want to if i see something like this i'm going to do a video on it if at all possible all right let's do this three armed suspects break into texas home but only one escapes alive after a 17-year-old with a shotgun stops the home invasion. Yeah, the blaze. Three armed men attempted a home invasion of a residence in Texas. However, two of the home invaders never made it off the property because a 17-year-old blasted the alleged burglars with a shotgun. Three armed men wearing masks broke into a home in East Harris County around 10.40 p.m. on Friday. That's down around Houston. Police said inside the home was an adult female, a 12-year-old boy, and two 17-year-old males. One of the 17-year-olds reacted to the break-in by grabbing a shotgun. Harris County Sheriff Ed Gonzalez said the 17-year-old fired several times and struck two of the suspects who allegedly broke into the home in Channel View, a suburb of East Houston. Police found the two men unresponsive, suffering from gunshot wounds at the home. The two suspects were pronounced dead at the crime scene. By emergency management personnel, the Harris County Sheriff's Office said, the third suspect fled the home, drove away in a dark-colored four-door sedan. None of the people already in the home were harmed. The identities of the shooter... Deceased suspect or the man who got away have yet to be revealed by authorities. The case was presented to Harris County District Attorney's Office, which recommended the case be presented to Harris County Grand Jury. The Harris County Sheriff's Office stated, There's an ongoing investigation into the shooting and search for the third suspect that fled. Law enforcement is asking anybody with relevant information about the case to contact the Harris County Sheriff's Office 
at 713-274-9100. I hope to catch the SOB. So, you know, we don't have all the specifics of this, but it sounds like three guys thought they'd break into a house and uh, take some goodies for themselves. That's what it sounds like. And look, this could have went really badly. Had there not been a firearm in the house, all right, it's put, it, it could have gotten very ugly. Three burglars, we don't know that just possibly robbing the place was their only goal there or whether or not their goal would have involved, evolved into something more sinister. But this, this kid, 17 years old, grabs a shotgun in the house and defends everybody in the house. That is the Second Amendment amendment working the way it should. Protection against your home. If it was up to a lot of socialist, radical Democrats, they don't want you to be able to defend yourself against occasions that could be deadly for the people that live in the home. They don't want you to be able to defend yourself in cases like this. We believe that it's imperative that you should be able to defend yourself in cases just like this. And it's important that people see this and see how the Second Amendment, it really is supposed to work and how um, this could have gotten much, much worse. This could have gotten much more sinister, okay? Think about that. And I hope to catch the other person that broke in the house, obviously. Wow. If we get any more details on this, I'll do a follow-up much like I did with the uh, old man that was essentially killed inside the Wendy's by the worker who lost his mind. That's repugnant. Tell me what you think, black and white network supporters. Bravo, kid, for defending the family. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no holds barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word. 25% off now. Well, guys, the Dallas Cowboys are in a lot of trouble. As you guys may already know, Dak Prescott, the Cowboys starting quarterback, is going to be out anywhere from six to eight weeks because of an injury to his thumb on his throwing hand. Um, It actually happened last night in the fourth quarter. So they need a quarterback. Uh, Cooper Rush is actually going to be the starting quarterback going forward until Dak comes back. However, guys, we actually should should have saw this coming here because anytime a quarterback gets injured now or a suspension happens, you know, like Deshaun Watson. Why in the hell does the name of Colin Kaepernick actually come up? Why? This man has not played since 2016. He can't play anymore. He is done. I would actually rather have a 54 year old Troy Aikman come back and play right now than Colin Kaepernick. But um, that brings us to uh, the playmaker, Michael Irvin, the all-time great Cowboys wide receiver. He came out, man, and he slammed any talk of Colin Kaepernick stepping in and playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, he didn't bring it up. 
It was actually his counterpart counterpart on ESPN's first take, Stephen A. Smith. Here we go, guys. NFL legend Michael Irvin eviscerates idea of Colin Kaepernick joining Cowboys. Let's just stop it. So let's read this, guys. The Dallas Cowboys have a major issue of quarterback moving forward after Dak Prescott fractured his right thumb in Sunday's Sunday night's loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. While the Cowboys will likely go with a Cooper Rush, it's not likely they're going with him as starting quarterback and Will Grizz the backup. ESPN star Stephen A. Smith floated the possibility of the team taking a flyer on Colin Kaepernick. Smith said he didn't think it would ever happen, but broached the topic anyway. Why in the world would you even bring this up if you know it's never going to happen? Kaepernick is damaged goods. He is washed up. He can't play anymore. But Stephen A. Smith brings up the name of Colin Kaepernick. Says here, quote, you know what? This is a different subject for another day, maybe. It will never happen, in my opinion. Might want to make that call to Colin Kaepernick, Smith said on First Take Monday. Might want to find out. He ain't been around, but he's a playmaker with his lids. Who's available? You got to take that into consideration. No, you don't. The man is done. He is done, Stephen A. Smith. Smith said he didn't think it would ever go over well with uh, Cowboys, Cowboy fans in Texas, alluding to Kaepernick's decision to kneel during the national anthem to protest racial injustice in the U.S. and claim the former San Francisco 49ers message was hijacked. No, it wasn't. He was trying to push Marxism out there. Nothing more. Uh, quote, but I would like to think about it. I would say that. But uh, getting back to reality, because I don't think that's reality, he added. Michael Irvin, the former Dallas Cowboys superstar wide receiver, completely brushed off the narrative of Kaepernick playing in the NFL. Quote, let's stop this Colin Kaepernick stuff. Let's just stop. Colin Kaepernick's been out of football for what, five years now? Actually, six years, Irvin said. Come on, man. Let's stop all all of a sudden thinking we can go resurrect Colin Kaepernick and he's going to come and resurrect a football team. I'll take my chances with Cooper Rush. I will take my chances with Cooper Rush. Exactly. I would, too. At this point, Cooper Rush is in the offense. He knows the offense. Colin Kaepernick doesn't know anybody's offense. Quote, I saw Cooper Rush win a football game last year. That's all I'm saying. Smith said he brought the topic up because five different people put it into his ear. I want to know what people actually thought Colin Kaepernick could actually step in. I really do. Uh, Kaepernick hasn't played since the 2016 season, but has maintained he's staying ready just in just in case a team calls. The former 49ers quarterback ignited a firestorm during the 2016 season by kneeling during the national anthem before games to protest. Racial and social injustice. He's also praising Fidel Castro, too, by the way. He left the 49ers after the season and failed to sign with another team. He accused the NFL owners of collaborating to keep him out of the league, a claim he later settled with the league, even though we know that was complete BS. The NFL went out of their way to actually um, to actually get this man an opportunity. But um, Kaepernick wanted to be Kaepernick, you know, and virtue said no and say, hey, 
They're keeping me down. They're holding the black man down. That kind of thing. You guys know it is how it is. I don't know why, guys, the name of Colin Kaepernick keeps coming up when a team needs a QB. Cooper Rush is a better quarterback right now than Colin Kaepernick. It is just that simple. Cooper Rush is a better quarterback. Colin Kaepernick cannot play anymore. Let's just face the facts. The media always does this, man. They always do this. And you know what? Stephen A. Smith was probably um, hearing from um, his producers or something at ESPN because they're reading Twitter. I'm pretty sure right now, you know, maybe the name of Colin Kaepernick is actually trending right now with uh, Dak Prescott because of the, the injury. The man can't play. He is done. He is washed up. You know, this guy's that Kaepernick really hasn't uh, tweeted anything in months. He's tweeting all these videos of him actually working out. But um, after we found out that his uh, Raiders workout was was a disaster, he didn't post anything football related again. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word. 25% off now. All right, guys, there's a very, very good reason why we call the Marxist NBA of China the Marxist NBA of China because they are Marxists. End of story. Nothing else to actually say about that. These people in the NBA, man, I know we come hard at LeBron James, but one player we haven't really come that hard on is Steph Curry. Steph Curry is no different whatsoever than one LeBron James. Now, when it came to the 2020 bubble, the only reason Steph Curry wasn't uh, kneeling for the national anthem is because I believe the Warriors weren't actually in that NBA bubble. Uh, They were actually pretty bad that season, if I'm not mistaken. However, guys, Steph Curry has just confirmed his dedication to Marxism in America. Steph Curry, no different than LeBron, LeBron James to me. And we're going to just confirm that, folks. Here we go. Over here on OutKick, Steph Curry calls Donald Trump threat, praises Colin Kaepernick in softball interview. So in America, folks, where Colin Kaepernick, a man that praises Fidel Castro, that praises communist Cuba, Steph Curry is praising him. I'm not shocked by this. I'm not shocked by this whatsoever, but let's read this. During a very friendly series of interviews with Rolling Stone magazine, Steph Curry was given free reign to say whatever he wanted, unchallenged to to a receptive audience. His comments included calling Donald Trump's potential 2024 presidential bid a threat and praising Colin Kaepernick for creating progress and change. You see? Colin Kaepernick has a Marxist ideology and Steph Curry is actually praising him for that because 
Colin Kaepernick wants to turn this country into Cuba. He wants that. Fidel Castro was a very, very evil Marxist Leninist. And Colin Kaepernick wants that for the United States of America. He wants revolution. And Steph Curry is signing off on this. It goes on. It says someone named Matt Sullivan is the author of the piece. And he lets you know right away which direction this article is headed. The subheadline reads, quote, the NBA superstar has changed the game of basketball for the better. Now, uh, can he help change America? Question mark. Now, when it comes to Steph Curry on the basketball court, yeah, he's a great player. But um, his style of play is not for me. I like the old school style from from the 80s and 90s, back to the basket centers. And Steph Curry shooting a bunch of threes and stuff. I really don't like this era of basketball. And when it went full, full Marxism in the NBA bubble, I was out. And guess what, folks? The NBA ratings, they really have not recovered from what the NBA did in 2020. But let's move on. It says this is kind of a good unbiased journalism that our country needs more of. They're being sarcastic in case if it wasn't clear enough which way Sullivan leans. He calls Herschel Walker and its NFL running back turn extreme Trumpian troll running for Senate in Georgia. Oh, my goodness. Herschel Walker is an American patriot. I have a lot of respect for the great Herschel Walker, but let's move on. But we're not here to talk about Sullivan. We're here to discuss the pearls of wisdom passed along by one of the great thinkers of our time. NBA player Steph Curry. Check this out. It says here, remember, Curry once said he gets he gets information from Martin Luther Cream himself, Sean King, you know, the white guy that wants you to think he's a black guy, but he's actually really a white guy. Yeah, he's another Marxist as well. All these people are Marxist folks. Uh, quote, I'm never going to be the guy that's out front and center, Curry said in 2017. But conversations that I've had with guys like Sean King understand what's going on and the temperature going around and I'm plugged in the way I need to be. If you're getting your information from uh from uh Talcumets, yeah, you got problems. You don't get your information from Talcumets. This man's a grifter. I did a video on the uh, network channel where I was actually talking about how Sean King um actually said that a bunch of white supremacists were trying to um come after him and he actually needed a donation to actually move his family. Yeah, it was a complete grift. Um it says here, right here, if you don't know who Sean King is, kudos to you. You're living a better life than me. He's your typical race hustler and grifter who profits off of perceived racism. Yeah. A white guy like Sean King says that all these white supremacists are actually coming after him. Okay. It says with that bad drop in mind, we get to Curry's uh, comments from this piece. Some of the highlights quote, take Trump seriously. Of course, Curry told the magazine most of his rhetoric before he was president uh, during his uh, four years, and even now, if he tries to run again, has a tone of divisiveness that doesn't have a place in, his, in our country. As serious and loud as the threat is of him or whoever else is running for office, there's a similar urgency and a loudness that's necessary on the other side. Oh, boy. Now, he's talking about divisiveness here. Now, his boy Colin Kaepernick decided to really, really be divisive. And kneel for the national anthem. 
And then he wanted to play the victim and say that he was actually blackballed from the NFL. And guess what? A whole bunch of people turned off the NFL. What about your boy LeBron James, who was actually out there trying to dox a police officer who actually was trying to save a black life? Oh, but you NBA players are too busy actually out there trying to support criminals. That's what the NBA does. They support criminals. Remember, they stop games in the NBA bubble for a criminal like Jacob Blake. They did that. It says here, yes, the left definitely needs a loudness. They certainly don't have any of that. People like AOC, because, you know, these are the kind of people they support AOC. Nancy Pelosi and uh, Kamala Harris. By the way, Kamala Harris was actually uh, bailing out rioters and looters who were actually burning down businesses. Some of those businesses, guess what? Were black businesses. Where where were you, Steph Curry? What did you actually have to say about that? It says Curry blasts uh, Trump for a tone of divisiveness while uh, propping up the aforementioned Sean King and fellow NBA p- player LeBron James. James, you'll recall, once called Trump a bum on Twitter, a post Curry shared to his followers. Those are definitely the type of people trying to unite the country. Yeah. They're not about unite. The left is never about uniting. They're all about divisiveness. These people are about segregation. These people on the left, man, are the biggest races out there. Um, it says here, just like Curry, who, when asked about uh, comments by Under Armour CEO Kevin Plank, who called Trump an asset to the country in 2017, said that Plank was correct if you remove the ET from asset. So he's calling him an ass. Uh, yes, calling the president of the United States an ass apparently counts as healthy rhetoric and smart dialogue. Curry endorsed Beijing Biden in 2020. Oh, my goodness. How's that inflation going on, Steph Curry? How did you like that Afghanistan withdrawal? You're in the People's Republic of California. How did you actually like the uh, $10 gas out there? Yeah, he supported Beijing Biden, guys. Uh, now he goes over to Kaepernick here. And it says, um, because any conversation about social justice has to involve Colin Kaepernick or in the case of ESPN, any conversation, Curry discussed, discussed him very well as well. Quote, all the ways that they want to nitpick what Colin's done from the time he kneeled to now, you can't tell me that there hasn't been progress and change and a renewed sense of accountability amongst a lot of athletes like which side of the fence are you on? Are you doing something or not? Curry told the magazine. Says he's right about one thing. He's definitely made athletes speak out on issues on which they are not experts or particularly knowledgeable. It's been great for the NBA's TV ratings if you consider losing a huge chunk of the audience. Yeah, pretty pathetic. According to Curry, Kaepernick has a positive impact on race relations. No, he doesn't in the United States. Ask yourself, are we better, better or worse in that department since Kaepernick's protests? If the answer is worse, then how exactly did that help? If the answer is um, is better, then I want to live where you live. It's likely outside of reality. Yeah. And you can thank um, Barack Hussein Obama for really dividing this country amongst racial lines. He got more divisive because this is what leftists do. Leftists want segregation. They want to rile up people. They love that your communities are getting worse. Especially if you're black in the inner city. This is what they want to happen, folks. But Steph Curry, 
Nothing more than the Marxists. Not a surprise. Not a surprise whatsoever. They don't exactly believe in the Constitution. They believe in the hammer and sickle, the BLM, Marxist fist. This is the kind of stuff that they support. They support the E. Jinping's, the Fidel Castro's. They support all of these Marxist Leninists. They never speak out against these people. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word. 25% off now. I'm back. Rudrance for a Black and White Network. We're going to talk about the radical area known as Seattle. And they're having a major, major fallout when it comes to the fact that police are quitting at an alarming rate. I mean, who could blame them? We're talking about law enforcement in a radically democratic socialist area. I mean, who could forget Jenny Durkin, the mayor, funded by George Soros, by the way, saying, oh, this is going to be the summer of love as the Chaz Zone was set up and there was all kinds of heinous criminal activity that was spawned out of that. And, of course, as you can expect from an area like Seattle, they did what? They defunded the police. So the police said, you know what? We're not appreciated. So kiss our ass. We're leaving. And my God, they have left. And it's going to take a decade for them to ever come back. Now, they've got a new mayor. His name is Bruce Harold. And if you look at his actual, um, if you look at his bio, uh, he is... We'll just take a look here. He is concerned with things like, oh, well, let's introduce him. Uh, Was born in Seattle to an African-American father who was one of the first black union linemen of Seattle City Light. Okay. I mean, that's great, but what's your qualifications? Well, let's look. On the council, Bruce was a leader on issues of racial equity, public safety reform, economic and educational opportunity for all, He sponsored the law to, quote, ban the box, led efforts to pass Seattle's first bias-free police law, and was the first advocate for the use of body cameras by SPD officers. He championed Seattle's race and social justice legislation requiring all Seattle policies to be reviewed through an equity lens. So, um, look, I'm just going to judge and wager a guess, but that sounds like that he's not exactly back in the blue, if you know what I'm saying, okay? He's a radical progressive leftist. Here we go. This is the Daily Caller, and this does have contribution from one Jason Rantz out there. No relation. <laughs> We're screwed. Seattle hemorrhages police officers amid massive crime spike, and these numbers are unbelievable. The liberal city of Seattle is losing police officers amid a major spike in crime. 
770-KTTH reported, quote, we're screwed. Former King County Sheriff John Urquhart said, according to 770-KTTH, in total, 122 officers have left the Seattle Police Department in 2022. That includes six that left in August. Uh, 770 reported citing a police source since the city council voted to defund the police department in 2020 nearly 500 police officers have left the force the city experienced 11 homicides in august the deadliest single month on record which goes back to 2008 according to the seattle times quote there has been a mass exodus of policing uh, who could blame them? The profession itself is almost on its last breath. And what happens is that criminals fill the void when there's no law enforcement. Of course, Seattle Police Officers Guild President Mike Solon told Jason Rantz, quote, and when you connect to funding and then you connect the reform laws, okay, we just talked about that, Mayor Bruce Harold, that were just absolutely catastrophic to our communities, this is a sad result. And who ends up paying the price, our community, Solon said. There were only 877 de- deployable officers as of the week of August 28th, according to the police union, which says the damage could cost public safety for years to come. Okay, well, Seattle's going to be a bigger hellhole than it has already been. There needs to be around 14 to 1,500 According to Solon, wow, this is a public safety index, by the way, uh, for the area. You see that red? Well, that's that's right there where they're at, deployable officers versus critical incidents. Yikes. My God. Quote, it's going to take at least a decade at minimum to get to the level of fourteen to 1,500 people at minimum. Yeah, but, but who's going to join the force? These officers are leaving because they're unappreciated and realize that nobody's going to back them. So they're leaving. Who the hell's going to step up? I mean, really, let's think about that. If I'm a police officer, I'll be like, you know, I want to continue to be in law enforcement. I'm moving to a red state at record speed, like you've seen so many officers do, moving here to Texas and down to Ron DeSantis' Florida. Come on. And that that doesn't bode well for the current officers that are here in terms of having a safe environment to work in. No, they're putting their lives on the line and nobody's backing them. And then I think, more importantly, it's the community that we serve on professionally on a daily basis. This crime surge is here. It's real, and it's only going to get worse. On top of leaving the force already, there's 350 officers that will qualify for retirement at the end of the year, according to 770. In the meantime, the police union is working to get officers' contracts because they're currently working without them. Quote, signing a contract would be retaining your current people, which would then entice laterals or new recruits to come in because you have a fair wage that was up to today's standards. The other option is you don't have anything and you lose. It would decimate this department. And I don't know how the city moves forward. Wow. The Seattle Police Department didn't immediately respond to the Daily Caller's 
News Foundation request for comment. And look, I mean, what is the police, the, 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 you know, what's the police department going to say? This is a total train wreck. Our leadership doesn't back us. They don't give a shit about the police. They don't care about the citizens. And I'm looking at you, citizens, because you keep voting people in like Jenny Durkin and like Bruce Harold up in Seattle. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And somewhere in the background, no doubt, there's a Soros in the woodpile. I mean, come on. It's unbelievable. I, I've never seen citizens not want to be protected by law enforcement in all my life. I mean, you literally have your heads up your asses. And everything's going to be fine until you're sauntering out of a grocery store one day. And some dude pulls up. You're getting ready to get in your... Your your Mercedes guy grabs a door. You you turn around, boom! He pops one in your chest and gets in your Mercedes and drives off. Well, hate to say it, but in for lack of a, a better way of putting it, you sort of pulled your own trigger now, didn't you? When you support politicians that support things like defunding the police, what do you think is going to happen? You're the ones that pay the price. Now I'm going to say something here. And a lot of people, I don't know if they realize this is going on. Oregon has some a Republican running for governor right now that's got a chance to win that race. Okay? And take a radically left progressive state and flip it red. It's actually up for grabs. A place that I wouldn't think would possibly be up for grabs is actually in play right now for Republicans. It's pretty unbelievable. Uh, Seattle, I mean, this is the same thing in these states as I was talking about with Illinois earlier. Okay, in Oregon, in Seattle, once you get outside of the urban areas, hell, it's Trump supporters. It's the same way outside of the urban areas in California. You know, a lot of people don't realize California's got a massive, like, farm and ranch community, maybe the biggest in the entire country. Those people bleed red in the voting boost, but the radicals in the urban areas are screwing them to tears. I mean, it's crazy as hell. I mean, how many officers? It's going to take 10 years to get back up to the numbers they need to be at. And and, and honestly, it's going to take longer because where are they supposed to get these officers from? Who are these officers that are going to want to stay in Seattle, in state? And then who are going to be the new recruits? Are they going to be so desperate for a job in that area that they're going to go ahead and put in for the force? Oh, I'm sorry. You roughed that guy up just a little too much. Let's prosecute your ass. <laughs> well, you know, he was running away and he was shooting at me at, at the same time. So, yeah, I sort of popped a cap in his ass. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Criminals win, citizens lose, but the citizens are voting for the criminals to win. And the, and the law enforcement and the, the cops are getting screwed in the process. Pretty unbelievable. Pretty unbelievable that this... That's so contrary to the way we think, like here in Texas and in places like Florida... And, 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 again, when you get outside of urban areas, that's so contrary to the common sense of the way most people think 
That's just unbelievable. You know? I mean, there's no common sense whatsoever. They get in their liberal schools and universities and think, oh, my goodness, my professors filled me with all kinds of horse shit. So now I'm going to go out and try to ruin the real world. <laughs> and then they're going to get to about 48 and they've got some kid that don't want to hit a lick. And they're going to wonder what happened. Well, you listened to your liberal professor one too many times now, didn't you? Tell me what you think, Black and White Network supporters. Hit subscribe. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. <laughs>